At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. And a good Wednesday morning, Birds 365 fans. Appreciate you being here with us. We're going to have an interesting show today. We hope to say some interesting things. I think there's some interesting topics to be broken down. Uh, but the way we're going to bring people in and out should be interesting. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to be here the whole show. You're stuck with me. you got two hours of this, Mac Man. We've got the other Mac Man who's making his way over to uh, the Novacare Complex now. He is, from what I understand, Dunkin' Donuts adjacent. Uh, so <laughs> well, I think I think we all are. If you think about how many they are, so I guess that's not a that's uh, but it's good. We'll keep people in the dark. There you go. Um, but uh, John's gonna give us a half an hour or so. Then he's got to get in, take the COVID test, so he can uh, be part of the traveling contingent to Detroit. Our buddy and our boss, uh, the Krause man, uh, Joe Krause is gonna hop on. Uh, he and I'll do a segment together. And then uh, our buddy from the middle, BB, Barrett Brooks, is going to hop aboard and give me a helping hand for hour number two. So uh, stay tuned. You get to see a bunch of different faces here. You may, you should recognize them all if you're a Jacob Media YouTube channel guy. Um, we'll shuttle them in and out over the next couple hours. Uh, J-Mac yesterday, Coordinator Day. Got a chance to talk to all the uh, coordinators for the Philadelphia Eagles, the one who was probably generating the most interest with Jonathan Gannon because um, guys like me have been picking on the defense and pointing out that they're struggling as bad, if not worse, than the offense, and I say worse. Um, Jonathan Gannon had some answers yesterday. I like the fact that he did say, yeah, we may have to change some things. He's not doubling down exactly as harshly as his head coach is. Uh, but he did take some bullets, too, which I like. He said that what Nick Sirianni said wasn't a problem with him because he said it to Nick that, uh, yeah, they they need to get off the field faster than they are, and they probably are having an influence on the offense, not letting them get in a the rhythm. Uh, so I was actually okay with what Jonathan Gannon said yesterday. How about yourself? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I thought he was fine. Uh, uh, obviously, difficult circumstances since um... – I think Nick kind of realized uh, it seemed like he was throwing uh, Jonathan Gannon under the bus a little bit um, after the game. And he kind of self-corrected himself on his Monday press conference. And I I was the one who asked uh, JG about that word challenge. You need to challenge uh, the opposing offenses more. Uh, which originally came from Nick, Nick Sirianni from our perspective. But uh, Jonathan said he, that came from him. Uh, right. That's what he told uh, Nick Sirianni. And then he kind of imparted that uh, during his own pressure. So he's aware, obviously, that you can't let quarterbacks complete 90% of your passes. You can't let them complete 80%, which has happened far too often. Uh, looks like at times a seven-on-seven seven drill out there. Uh, it's way too easy 
Um, now they played a lot of good quarterbacks. Um, and that's part of the issue with when you play a lot of cover too. Uh, I mean, it's probably not the defense you should be playing against Tom Brady. Um, you know, and then you go down the list and say, well, Dak Prescott's having an MVP like year. Um, Derek Carr's having a very good year. Um, and who was the other one? Who am I missing? Uh, that Mahomes uh, oh, Pat- guy is a pretty good Patrick player. Mahomes, yeah, that's yeah. a difficult one to miss. Um, yeah, the, he's pretty good, even though Kansas City is having their struggles. So, I mean, you ex- expect a little self-correction. You saw the self-correction, for instance, against uh, Sam Darnold. And you would expect a little bit of a – more of a market correction, I guess, when you play – quarterbacks who aren't as good in the second half of the schedule but there are things you have to be realistic you have to be honest with yourself as a coach and say okay well these guys aren't performing to the level I asked and then you get into the question of are you using the players correctly look I think some players he is some players he isn't Uh, and I think really that is probably true of most defensive coordinators. The problem is, look, your best player in theory was supposed to be Fletcher Cox. Um, There are certain guys, Ryan Kerrigan, we've talked about, Teron Jackson, even Josh Sweat has played that four-eye position in this defense, which they don't have a player for that. I, I mean... And, and if you're my question there is, and you always wish you can get more in, is you know, maybe you can't get the player you want to play that position in your defense, but you should at least be able to get somebody with the traits that could uh, sort of hold down the fort. And let's be honest, you're not getting any production from those guys. So if you have a lesser player who at least has the traits to play the position, you know, why not put him in there with a placeholder? So my my questions for Jonathan Gannon are more personnel driven. And right now he looks like the opposite of, of what we were sold. And that was a coaching staff that was going to, play to the strengths of their players right now they look like a coaching staff that on the defensive side of the ball says we're going to play this and you know come hell or high water right and that's where my uh complaining has come in starting a couple weeks ago and certainly uh peaking this week with the fact that they let uh, uh, Mr. Carr and the Raiders defense offense do what they did against them this past week 90 percent completion rate um here's my biggest issue And Gannon did tell us. I remember you and I uh, talking about it afterwards and me saying I like what I heard because he he made it sound like he wasn't going to be a square peg in a round hole kind of guy, that he was going to coach to the talent that he had. He wasn't going to have a scheme that had to be played and try and force people into roles that they might not be up to. Well, that's what he said. But now we've got uh, seven games of actual – action to be able to break down and it doesn't seem to be what he's done and here's my biggest problem because i i trust a guy like you uh who understands uh both football and this defense particularly to make this type of defense work that you're not a fan of i'm not a big fan of a key element is 
you need a playmaking linebacker that you're putting a lot on the plate of a linebacker because you're going to drop your safeties back. The linebacker has to be able to come up, make big tackles against the run, do the coverage job in the middle of the field. They don't have that guy. And the day Jonathan Gannon signed on to become the Eagle coach, he knew the linebackers they had, and he should have had a pretty good grasp of what kind of players they were. If he didn't, he had all training camp to evaluate it. He had the three preseason games to evaluate it. He had the first couple of regular season games to evaluate it. It must have dawned on him at some point, oh, shoot, I don't have that linebacker on my roster. We don't have that player. Alex Singleton plays hard. He plays fast. He doesn't play great. He's not going to impress anybody with his physicality. He's not that guy. They don't have that guy. At some point, doesn't Gannon have to go, uh-oh, I guess I can't play this defense as much as I was planning on playing it because it seems to me he plays it on basically every single play. Uh, well, he doesn't do it every single play, but he does do it the vast majority of the time. So it is fair to say, um, you know, if, you, if you're if you playing it that much, uh, yeah, you should do a better job. And I, I think if you go all the way back to training camp, now you kind of know – why they were trying to get Davion Taylor up to speed and, and then the calf injury starts. Now, uh, the calf problems start. I, I can't, but even though I think that's a bigger story than people realize because that was the plan to get him out on the field as a starting linebacker week one, um, you got to know, okay, he's injured. A very raw player. It was unlikely, let's be honest, even if you pushed it and, and had him uh, completely healthy for the entire camp, he would have been, you know, Darius Leonard uh, week one. It, right. it, it was always going to be sort of a struggle, but they wanted his athleticism, his speed. At least he has the traits, like I was saying with that four eye. At least he has the traits to play the position. Uh, that you want, that you envision for all these cover two looks. So I think that was the original plan. Uh, in fact, I'm sure it was the original plan. And then obviously the injury kind of pushed things back. And as we go through the season and you've already start to see it, it's going to, I think his play is going to ramp up uh, as we continue. Um, and, you know, ultimately if he becomes the three down linebacker, He's going to have to get better um, with the mental aspect of the coverage schemes and things like that. Uh, but he hasn't played well um, to start. Um, none of the linebackers have played well. Um, I was just writing about this for Sports Illustrated, so I looked it up. Uh, Pro Football Focus uh, has Eric Wilson as the worst, last, dead last run support player in the league. 82 out of 82. Um, Alex is 71 out of 77 when it comes Damn. to pass coverage. Uh, so you you see the disaster in each phase for the two linebackers who played the most. And Davion Taylor, because he got the late start, hasn't played enough, but he would be the worst linebacker of them all from a great perspective uh, in, in, in their minds. And the best is T.J. Edwards, who is, you know, sort of an old school school linebacker who 
can't be on the field on passing downs, uh, but is by far their best run defender. And they were trying to trade him back in the summer. So that's where you are at the linebacker position. And it's not good. Uh, and, you know, people are starting to learn why Jim Schwartz played the defense he played. And if I'm Jim uh, Jonathan Gannon, I would have said, okay, he messed these guys pretty well. Maybe we'll go more to that until I can get to the guys that I want to play my defense. And by the way, I want to give a shout out to our buddy, Mark Farzetta. Um, well, partially I want to give a shout out to myself, but also Mark, uh, he had Steven Nelson on uh, his show. And obviously he does the, the post game show here at uh, Jacob media. And here, here's, he put it up. So I, I put it down. This is what Steven Nelson said about the defense. Steve Nelson. He likes Steve. Steve. The Eagles defense is geared around taking away, limiting explosive plays. Strategically, it's a great idea because too many of those plays lead to touchdowns. We want to make the O earn it, offense earn it. When you look at it, it's very genius. Just a couple things we need to improve on. Now, that's the exact definition I explained to people of what they're trying to accomplish. I did that for a reason because I've been told that, but now it's on the record. You see, and that's why I say it, it at least I know I've said this for a, a couple of days. At least I know what Jonathan Gannon is trying to accomplish. I think he's going about it the wrong way. The offensive side of the football I still don't know what they're trying to accomplish. And that concerns me more. Right. And you and I, uh, to a point we agree in lockstep, and then we basically go in 180 opposite directions. You're good with it if you understand it. In comparison to the Eagles offense, which we really don't comprehend what they're trying to do. When you've got a seven-game sample and the defense has gotten the results that it's gotten, that's where I get off the train. Whether I can comprehend their stance, whether their stance could potentially work real well, that all goes out the window when you played seven games and quarterbacks are completing 80% of their passes and teams are scoring 30-plus points a game against you. No, I'm out. I, even if I uh, sat there and shook my head and said, yeah, I get it, J.G., when you explain it in preseason, at some point you have to look at the results and go, no matter how well-conceived my plan and my scheme is, it isn't working. And with you, I kind of think it has more to do with the talent that's here and or not here than whether it could potentially work. But you got to change. And I am looking forward to see if Jonathan Gannon actually does implement some changes against Detroit this week. Well, yeah, I, I have no problem with people being frustrated uh, by the way this defense plays. And I say it all the time as well. I don't even like the defense. I don't agree with the, the defense in the in the modern NFL. There's too many good quarterbacks who can take advantage of the holes that defense gives you and, and are smart enough to understand they're not going to, to push the football. They're not going to to take chances because they know they can just go methodically down the field. They're smart enough. There's too many that are smart enough to realize that now. Uh, whereas when Tony Dungy kind of perfected that around the league, there wasn't as many uh, who could take advantage of the particular defense. And that's why people copied it for years. And then they stopped copying it because it didn't work anymore. Uh, now, sometimes things are cyclical and sometimes – 
not a lot of teams use it anymore. So sometimes you go back and 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 maybe have a, a little window where it works again. But yeah, my larger point is what you said, Jody, is that it's personnel. It's personnel driven. Um, so, you know, I guess I look at the fan base. They didn't like the way Jim Schwartz played defense. Didn't like it. Um, they now know it's a little bit better than they thought. Uh, but they obviously don't like the way JG plays defense. The only way they like is, is the Jim Johnson way or the Buddy Ryan way or the uber aggressive way. And again, I, I know if you if you say, okay, and and I'm I'm gonna simplify this. You can play cover three, you can play cover two, or you can be Buddy Ryan and blitz from the bus. Uh, constantly with this personnel if you want to great if you want to rate those three things of what you should do it's probably cover three first uh cover two second and blitz from the bus last so i i mean until you get better players i i, I you're you're a little bit hamstrung in the fact that you you're gonna have some issues and but if it were me and I looked at this group on the defensive side of the ball, I would say, I got to get, I got to let Josh Sweat try to get to the quarterback and not play four eye or five technique. I, I got to let your best buddy, Derek Barnett, get to the quarterback. I got to let Fletcher Cox get to the quarterback. And, you know, then I, I got to play. Uh, a little on the back end, they got to play a little bit more cover three to protect those linebackers. But you know, I, I can I can see what he's trying to accomplish. Which um, I'm not saying that's the best thing in the world, but it's just better than the offense from that perspective. All right, uh, I do want to bring this up since you went to Derek Barnett. Um, it was one of the things I want to touch on with you. Um, uh, Cody Benjamin, who I've read a couple of his articles on CBSSports.com. Let me just say this: he's no Jeff Kerr. Um, did <laughs> one, did one last night. Ten trades that should go down in the National Football League. He picked out veterans that would make sense to be dealt to teams that are closer to playoff status than teams that weren't. There was a a, a very figurable uh, article. He had Derek Barnett as one of the tradable players. And I do suggest everybody, I'm coming up just short of saying, if you want to have a laugh, go check this out. But I'm damn close to it, as a matter of fact. Derek Barnett was one of the 10 guys he said should be dealt, could be dealt prior to the trade deadline. He had him going to the Tennessee Titans, who actually have bigger needs on defense. But if they did a Jonathan, uh, excuse me, a Nick Sirianni and doubled down, on getting to the quarterback, they bring in Derek Barnett. Excuse me? Getting to the quarterback. What's the one thing Derek Barnett never does? Get to the quarterback. I didn't understand his stance a little bit. And then to add to it, he projected on each of these trades what it would take, and he kept it simple in that it would be for a draft pick, not trying to figure out a player matchup. So what kind of draft would it take to get the deal done? What do you think he had Derek Barnett going for, JM? Uh, conditional six. Uh, 
should be a conditional seven. Um, I'm guessing by the way you're describing, it's more than that. Uh, how did how does a conditional third sound? <laughs> well, he's not looking at the contract. Um, I would think. And I don't know. I I don't know. You know, people put these things together for they want it to be baseball. They want it to be basketball. And they, they get a lot of clicks and a lot of interest. Um, well, they get yeah, they get a lot of mocking from me when you suggest the Eagles can get a conditional third for Derek Barnett with the way that he's playing and his contract status being what it is. There's no bloody chance they get a conditional third for him. Yeah, I, I mean, A, the player doesn't, at this stage, uh, doesn't deserve a conditional three just by himself um, if, if you don't add in the other. Now, it is, you know, when you talk about the contract, it is, at that point, you know, prorated, so it's essentially $5 million instead of $10 million. So that makes it a little bit better. But, but then I always see these things. See, you said Tennessee, right? Yeah. Well, where did Derek Barnett go to school? He's a poor Where Mahal. Where's Jim Schwartz? Oh, See, you know, I hadn't even thought of Schwartzy. Was Schwartzy in love with uh, Derek Barnett? Was he a huge Barnett guy? Yeah, he was. Um, yeah, he likes Derek. Um, but, I mean, that's where I, I think it's coming from. And, and people do that. And I'm not picking on I don't know him. But, I, I mean, people do that too much. Oh, he's from Tennessee. He went to Tennessee. Uh, he played, everybody loves him in Tennessee, broke Reggie White's record. Jim Schwartz is there. They put that together. Like Jim is the GM. GMs are too smart in this league to give up a conditional third for a player. You don't have to give up a conditional third for. Uh, it's as simple as that. I, it only takes one. I always say that. It only takes one dummy general manager. Um, so you never say never about anything in this league. You learn that desperation uh, is a big thing. I always mock Rick Spielman for the Sam Bradford trade. He seems to do it every year. This year it was Chris Herndon at tight end. Uh, but, you know, Tennessee's a pretty good team. Uh, they could use a pass rusher. Derek Barnett would probably look better in, in, a, in a Jim Schwartz-like scheme even though he's not the coordinator there. Um, but no, you're not getting a conditional third. If you're getting a conditional third, he's going. I'll tell you that. All right. Uh, just to further the point, and then I do want to jump to the quarterback position with you next. Um, the other guys that he said could potentially be traded, uh, Derek Barnett for a conditional third. Uh, Marcus May of the Jets, who's a legit starting safety in this league. Not a star, but a legit starting That's safety. Good player. He's a good player. Nice player. Fourth round pick. So he <laughs> thinks that th Derek Barnett is worth more on the open market than Marcus May. Um, Kyle uh, Fuller, cornerback from the Broncos. Fifth round pick. I'll take Fuller over Derek Barnett every day of the week. Uh, a, a fellow defensive end, Trey Flowers. A conditional fifth. Barnett is a conditional third, but Trey Flowers is a conditional fifth from uh, the Lions. Well, if they could trade him tomorrow, the Eagles wouldn't have to face him, which might be a good thing. I think Flowers is actually okay. This guy missed the boat so badly on this deal. It's uh, absolutely ridiculous. Is he an Eagles fan? That would he be might be. Uh, it, it, somebody should be giving him at least uh, some 
Eagle bonus points, but it well, doesn't. I will say, you know, I will say edge rusher is a more valued position than uh, uh, than safety. Um, but yeah, I you know, I try to I try to get deference, but uh, I try to go down every Again, gap. Who's who's a better player, Trey Flowers or Derek Barnett? Uh, I, I and Trey Flowers certainly has reached heights. I, I don't know how Trey is playing this year. How old is Trey? That that factors into it as well. Mm, I'm gonna um, guess. I'm gonna guess 28, 29. He's probably a couple of years older, but and he's more costly because uh, the Lions gave him big money to get him away from the Patriots. But he's actually achieved a level of success in a league that Derek Barnett has never achieved, and I think never will achieve. Yeah, I mean he's he's definitely a more proven commodity. Um, I, I think I think he won two Super Bowls at least, uh, and I know the Patriots put him on their all-decade team or whatever they do up there. So I mean he was he was a good player uh, for a good team, um, and that's why he got the big money deal. Right. Um, I I think look. I, I think you're a little bit too harsh on Derek Barnett. Uh, you know, I I think that, but no, he's not getting a, a conditional third round pick. I mean, and if he is, I you know how he's hanging up the phone right now and he's putting that paperwork in. Oh yeah, I would agree with that. No chance, no shot. And yes, Derek Barnett has achieved Vincent Velasquez status with me. I, I'm done. I just don't want to see him again <laughs> every week. Every see, time I think Vinny... you're too quick, Jody. I think you're too quick. Yeah, I'm going to ask you this question, and I want you. I to should have been quick all... with Vince Velasquez. I waited forever, a week, year after year after year, appearance you're all, after you're appearance, always and he just kept sticking it up. You're always honest with me, so I want an honest assessment. And this is not going to be. I don't think Derek Barnett is going to become this player. Obviously. But were you out, because there are a lot of people out on Brandon Graham early in his career in this town? No. Uh, I'll give you my honest evaluation of Brandon Graham. 100% go check the tapes if you can get them from WIP. <laughs> um, I believe you. Did I, did I think the Eagles should have drafted Earl Thomas instead? Well, yes, I, I, yes, I did. I absolutely said that. I don't have a problem with that. Right. That's but I thought Brandon player. Graham was fine. I thought he was good. And he didn't get out of the gates real well. And I wasn't ready. I never reached the level of Derek Barnett. I never want to see Brandon Graham again. That's for damn sure. Um, yeah. As a first round draft pick, you wanted to see a little more production in Brandon's first couple of years. But I thought he was a solid defensive end. And he grew into it and became a very good player. So, no, I, I didn't. And and I don't that think I'm overreacting to Derek Barnett. We're into the final year of his rookie deal, and he hasn't done squat Yeah, that always uh, – that's always my litmus test. Because Brandon – people forget, Brandon was not good early in his career. He got hurt. Uh, then he was um, – you know, he had the transition uh, back and forth. You had you – had, the five, outside linebacker, five technique, or with Chip Kelly, which was a disaster for everybody. And true story, he thought he was going to be cut by Chip Kelly for, do you remember Travis Long? Travis I, I Long. I recognize name. I couldn't describe Travis's game to you. Uh, uh, he, was a, he was a legit 3-4 outside linebacker that Chip Kelly loved. 
I mean, he loved him. Uh, and he tore his ACL in back-to-back years. He was. He he was going to he was going to cut Brandon Graham because of Travis Long. Was was he Long was, an Oregon kid? Uh no, but he was a Pac-10. Uh, Pac-10. He was Washington or Washington State. I, I think it was Washington State. Um, and he loved him. I mean, he loved him, and he was going to play, and he was going to be the starting uh, three, four outside linebacker, and he tore his ACL. And then he came back and he tore his ACL again. Um, and that was pretty much it for him. But, you know, Brandon tells the story all the time. He thought he was out. He thought he was out. And then the guy tore his ACL and he was back in. And uh, the butterfly effect there, we all know. Um, yeah, agreed. All right. I do want to jump over because we got to let you run. You got to go get your COVID test. Um, Last night, uh, prepping to go on WIP, I read the story. They were recapping on CBS what John McClain, our buddy from the Houston Chronicle, had just reported. That the Miami Dolphins and the Houston Texans have agreed upon what players would be exchanged if Deshaun Watson were to be traded to the Miami Dolphins. So they've worked out the deal. It's done to a point. That point, though, needs to be gotten over that uh, Stephen Ross, the owner of the Miami Dolphins, wants all of the lawsuits that are currently uh, in place against Deshaun Watson settled before he ever puts a Dolphin uniform on. Even though through his attorney, Deshaun Watson has said, I'm not settling anything. Uh, I would look at that as an admission of guilt that he's uh, claiming his innocence. So that's going to be a major issue for the trade to be done. Even though it's done in principle, they've agreed on who would go back and forth between the two teams. Stephen Ross has this one qualifier, which is going to be really difficult. Oh, by the way, Stephen Ross has another qualifier. He wants Roger to get Goodell to go on record and tell him what steps he's going to take with Deshaun Watson if he were to be traded. And if the Dolphins wanted to put him right into a game. Because he's eligible to play right now for the, te- for the uh, Texans. It's just they're deciding not to play him. He's on their 53 every week, and they just uh, send him in as an inactive. Yeah, the Dolphins trade for him. They're going to want to put him in, send him in as the starting quarterback. Goodell's on record as saying, we don't have enough information to make a decision yet. I'm not going to make a decision until I have enough information. So he's not going to get that answer either. So it was this big breaking story that the Dolphins and the Texans have agreed on a quarterback swap. Really? What, What are they giving up? But there's these other side issues that just aren't going to get uh, worked out. I thought we were going to have major quarterback movement. It doesn't look like that's the case, John. You think they can get all this stuff worked out? Yeah, I think even Ross's approval. I think I think ultimately he's going to get traded. I think it's hilarious to the uh, traded to the Dolphins. I think it's hilarious that Stephen Ross thinks he can accomplish these things uh, before November second. These guys live in such a bubble. Like the, the the first the first the second part of that Roger Goodell, I mean that yeah I've said from the start whether it's uh, uh, Miami Carolina even the Eagles and he revisited his no trade they would get some uh, it, they would get some information from Roger Goodell before the trade went through probably a a more broad if this happens this happens type of uh, advice. Uh, as far as how the the legal 
situation unfurls. Um, and, you know, because I, I, you know, think about Bart Simmons. I want everybody, Bart, whatever, whatever his name is, Bart Simpson. Uh, I can't believe I screwed up a Simpsons reference. You know, the beginning of every Simpsons show, uh, he's writing on the chalkboard, you know, a hundred times. Everybody needs to write, get a chalkboard, write on the damn chalkboard. Roger Goodell works for the NFL owners. So you saw this yesterday with the Washington football team because the meetings are going on right now. And everybody's saying, how could there be no written report? How could there be no written report? You can redact things. Yeah, they, they don't want a written report. That's why. And they told them no written reports. Well, so we'll go through these hoops for a PR standpoint. And Daniel Snyder will do what he's doing behind the scenes. He's protecting the owners. Now, because they live in this bubble, and, and Stephen Ross is in the bubble, which is where I'm going to, he thinks, well, I can, you know, fix this legally. I want this done now. Doesn't work like that, Stephen. You can order around the commissioner. You can't order around the legal system. So, no, he's going to have to. Uh, if he wants the, the 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 player that badly, and he does, and ultimately I think he he gets him, he's going to get him under the same shadow of investigation that the Houston Texans have, or anybody else that was going to require him, because it isn't getting done by November second. Right, uh, Stephen Ross is going to have to change his tune, and he can try and strong arm. Roger Goodell, and in a certain way, he is Roger Goodell's boss, but we have to weigh that against is the fact that, yeah, there are 31 other owners that are also Roger Goodell's boss. So he doesn't just bow to one owner's uh, position that they want to achieve. He's got to keep the balance of all 32 of his bosses, uh, and it's not an easy job that Roger Goodell has. All right, last thing, Johnny McDonald. By, by the way, real quick, Jody, before yeah. you get your last thing in, uh, I just I, I just figured out what I did. I conflated uh, Bart Simpson with Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons screws up everything. He screwed up my reference. I had him on my mind. All right, ben, go ahead. ben and Bart. <laughs> well, you could have gone Homer and gone don't uh, with the fact that you conflated the two. Um, all right, last thing. Uh, if you're right, and Stephen Ross says, all right, I have to compromise. We've agreed on the players. I'm okay with giving up what I'm giving up. I'd love for all these lawsuits to go, not happening. I'd love for Roger to tell me how it not happening. The deal gets done. It only makes sense that Miami would attempt to move uh, to Atunga Valoa. And again, uh, our buddy from CBS Sports, Cody Benjamin, last night had an article about that. Five teams that should be interested in Tua Valoa not one of them was the Philadelphia Eagles. I absolutely believe they should be one of the teams that go after him. I think his price has come down because of the injuries that he's had and the fact that the Dolphins haven't won games. They won games with him last year when he wasn't putting up bigger numbers. This year he's putting up better numbers, but they're not winning games, so go figure. How much interest in your estimation should the Eagles have in Tua Tungabreloa if they get the Deshaun Watson deal done and the Dolphins say uh, he's going to the highest bidder. Yeah, we talked a little bit about that yesterday. I haven't heard anything uh, from the Eagles when it comes to Tua. Uh, I just get the feeling they don't like the player uh, from an evaluation standpoint. Now, I don't know that for a fact. I'm just This is just speculation. 
because typically, like we knew early on, like they were, if they had a chance to get to Sean Watson, they were going to try to get to Sean Watson. They loved, they loved the player. Um, and, you know, Jeffrey Lurie has that history of giving second chances. So I think he's an owner that, and it turned out to be correct. He would have uh, green-lighted that deal if they had any way of pulling it off. Um, but they don't. Uh, so then you start thinking, okay, well, how else are you going to go? How else are you going to find this quarterback? And I, I think they're going to look towards the draft, whether it's this draft or Kenny Pickett is now the guy, now the hot guy. What's your What's your scouting report on, on Kenny Pickett? I, I specifically watched that game. Uh, he impressed me more this week than ever before because the Clemson defense is pretty damn good. They're having a down season, but it's more about the offense and, Unfortunately, DJ Uyunglele, who I thought was going to have a big year and was a Heisman candidate and got lifted from the game the other day. But their defense is still very good. It's not Georgia's defense, but a very good defense. And he threw the ball very well against them, uh, threw a bunch of touchdown passes, and they won the game going away in the second half. So I was impressed. He is a fifth-year quarterback. He has stayed in college five years. The best quarterbacks come out after three. He's already logged five, so he's had a chance to develop. He's a little further along. He's going to be an NFL quarterback, franchise quarterback, not for me. Yeah, he he's, he seems to be the guy with NFL people that's raising the board. We always talk about there's always one guy, uh, you know, but it, it doesn't seem like he's going to be Joe Burrow or Zach Wilson or somebody like that. But there's always one guy that, that goes up the board and people talk themselves into uh, and sometimes they're correct. Sometimes they're incorrect. I just get the feeling that the Eagles are not in 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 love with Tua. Um, obviously, they can't get Aaron Rodgers. Um, they probably can't get Russell Wilson. Um, so, I mean, you got to find a quarterback somewhere. You can t- keep talking about draft picks. And I think you were the one who said this the other day. At some point, you got to identify a player and move forward. Yeah. Um, but I, I mean, maybe that's why Gardner Minshew is here. Maybe, maybe they understand they're going to need a bigger bridge, and by that I mean uh, 2022 to get to 2023, and that's where we might end up. And yours truly is identifying a player right now, and his name's Tua Tagovailoa, and I'd love to see him land here as the Eagles' quarterback. All right, uh, stop being Dunkin' Donut adjacent. Go in and get some Java, <laughs> and then head over to the uh, Novacare. Uh, I will talk to you again in the morning, JM. All right. Thanks, Jody. Appreciate it. Johnny Mac, uh, my usual co-host here on Birds 365, has to get his uh, COVID test so he can head off to Detroit and watch the Eagles win a game. That is certainly something I'm going to discuss with my next shoe-in partner. It's nice when you can shoe in the boss. Uh, Joe Krause is going to join me. He and I will do a segment together, and then Barrett Brooks will be on for hour number two. Keep it right here on Birds 365. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. 
What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder. And it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messon Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. In Philadelphia, we celebrated the miracle with pride only five years ago. And then the following morning, IBEW Local 98 members went back to work. Building this city, rescuing our communities from decay, and inspiring the young men and women of the region to take pride in who we are. Like the cats, Local 98 members believe in hope. John Doherty, business manager of Local 98, says it this way. The best way not to forget where you come from is to never leave. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Go for the midnight tears. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. It is a hump day edition of Birds 365, Wednesday leading to Sunday in a game that for the first time this year, the Eagles are favored. Seven straight times so far this year, the Eagles have been the underdog going into Sunday or Thursday night or whatever action they have for the weekend. They're actually a road favorite against the Detroit Lions. It's because the Lions are 0-7. But I am very much believing the Eagles are getting a win this week. Joe Krause joins me here on Birds 365. Boss, you think the Eagles are going to beat the Lions? Well, Jody Mack, you know me. I always want to feel good about this football team going into uh, the next game because I don't sit here as an expert or I don't sit here as an analyst. I just sit here as a football fan, and I want this team to do well. But I got to tell you, and you know that we love – your partner, John McMullen. And I listen intently to John McMullen when I get a chance to watch Birds 365 and, of course, every night on Football 24-7 when I get his analysis from the day. But can we tap the brakes on Jonathan Gannon? And can we start to 
process and understand that to use John's words, dying by a thousand cuts and letting the offense go up and down the field waiting for a mistake is not the formula in the National Football League. Uh, yeah, Johnny Mack's a fan of uh, JGs, as he calls them, uh, and was from the day that he hired him uh, up until today. Uh, and, yeah, I, I think John borrowed that from me, death by a thousand cuts. Uh, not good. at some. As I just said with John last segment, um, at some point you can understand the philosophy, you can see the merits of the philosophy, but when you get enough actual evidence, when enough games have been played, when there's enough statistical analysis to sink your teeth into, you throw out what you believed he could pull off before the season started, and you just analyze what he has or hasn't accomplished in actual games that count. And it hasn't been good enough. The Eagles defense, I, I've said, I said uh, for the last couple of weeks, and certainly so far this week, I know Nick Sirianni's under fire. I know Jalen Hurts is under fire. They've had major offensive line issues because of injuries more than anything else. All that being said, I think the defense is a bigger problem than the offense right now. Jody Mack, and, and, you know, if Jeff Kerr were sitting in the chair, which he normally jumps in for uh, Johnny Mack, he put a tweet out this morning, which I I, I jotted down. 80% of the passes against the Eagles, the opposing team completed 80% four times this season alone. The rest of the NFL, the total was seven. I mean, I, I mean, think about that. So at some point, and then when you hear Fletcher Cox come out, to me as a fan, that's an indicator that the wheels are starting to come off. I, uh, that's a great stat by Jeff. And I quoted this one on, on, uh, Monday show here on birds, three sixty five, and stole it directly from our buddy, Ruben Frank, or my buddy, Ruben Frank, um, who added in his, uh, NBC sports, uh, wrap up column on Monday morning, the history of the Philadelphia Eagles, Krause, uh, prior to the start of this season, I think this goes all the way back to the Steagles when they were the combination of the Steelers and the Eagles going the entire history of the Eagles, they had played 1,250 some odd games, allowing a quarterback to complete 80% of his passes. It had happened eight times in the history of the Philadelphia Eagles prior to the start of this year, 1,250 some odd games, eight times this year. It's happened four times in seven games. Actually, it's four times in the last five games. But for the season, you want to count the whole season's four times in seven. How do, how do you then say, yeah, but we're doing what we wanted to do. We had a game plan in place. This is what we wanted. We didn't want to give up the big plays. Okay, nice idea. But then the results come out. You're two and five, and you're setting records like that, allowing teams, uh, quarterbacks, to complete 80% of your passes. You have to just say, we got to change here. You know, you said it on Birds 365 going into the game last week. We talked about it on the countdown to kickoff show uh, on Thursday night. If you go back and look at every conversation I had with John McMullen last week on football 24-7, we all talked about 
Derek Carr. Which Derek Carr is going to show up? Derek Carr is a middle of the road quarterback. If you if you put all thirty two quarterbacks on a, a on a spreadsheet, Derek Carr is going to fall somewhere between fourteen and eighteen, fourteen uh, and twenty. That's the type of a quarterback that he is. Well, Derek Carr comes out against this defense and looks like Tom Brady. Looks better than Tom Brady. In, in, in the game on Sunday. So that is where I stand trying to understand what we're doing, trying to understand why the defense isn't competing. John Johnny McMullen's going to say it's personnel. We don't have the, we don't have the linebackers. I asked them last night on football 24 seven. I'd love to get your thought on it. Alex Singleton last year, under Jim Schwartz, Jody, couldn't get off the field once he came in. Right. They couldn't take him off. And now all of a sudden, Alex Singleton is ranked lower and lower with each game that goes by. Still getting tackles, but he keeps getting ranked lower and lower against the pass. He's not a pass guy. We already know that. That's in the bio. I don't get it. You're right. All the linebackers are struggling in this uh, defense. Uh, I don't know that there's a ton of talent there. Eric Wilson, John just quoted the numbers from Pro Football Focus, is uh, 82nd out of 84 outside linebackers against the run. Um, No great surprise. That was the reputation that he came in with. He's good in coverage, but he's bad against the run, and he has more than lived up to his reputation since he got here. Well, you acquired the guy. You signed the guy. You knew what he was going to be, yet you play a defense, you put a defense in place that's going to accentuate the things that he can't do. What kind of sense does that make? It doesn't make any sense. Um, all right. I'm tired of beating up on the defense, Crossy. I want to jump over to the offense with you for a couple minutes. Nick Sirianni also coming under fire. Maybe not as much as Jonathan Gannon after the Raider game, um, but the Eagles offense didn't get the job done against uh, Vegas either. Uh, but they also lost Miles Sanders. And Sanders had gotten off to a good start in the game. They were actually using Jason uh, Jalen Hurts under center and just handing the ball two miles and, and moving the change, go down the field, score a touchdown on their first possession, and then unfortunately Miles goes out with an injury. Do you think that Sirianni will at least open up the game the same way he did last week against the Raiders with a heavy influence on the run? And if he does... Does Boston Scott just go from a DNP or at least didn't play anything other than special teams, didn't get any snaps in the offense like he did for the first six weeks, does he go immediately to the number one back in the most carries for the game against the Lions this Sunday? Well, I'm hoping, I guess, that Jordan Howard is is elevated off of the practice squad uh, and inserted into the uh, game day roster uh, for starters. Um you know, I think Kenny Gainwell showed why he is a great um, catch and run receiver off of a pitch and catch. He can get yaks. He's not going to get yardage running out of the. He's not going to get yardage running from the backfield. Although I will say this: you come into the season and you're still the strength of your football team. Jody is still your offensive line. You don't have to look past the Super Bowl year 
you still have on this roster Jason Kelsey, Lane Johnson, who's now back from uh, from his um, uh, departure and dealing with his issues. Brandon Brooks, yes, we know he's out. Even Jordan Mailata was rostered uh, back in the Super Bowl. Here, you still have the main front, your front offensive line should be able to blow people back. Move the football, run the football, create opportunity or create a chance for Jalen Hurts to get to Devontae Smith. Why is the Heisman Trophy winner non-existent, Jody, in this offense? I don't understand it. And we were told that uh, the two, the quarterback and the wide receiver, have a tremendous chemistry, that they were so tight and worked so well while they were together in Alabama. And even during the offseason, soon as um, Devontae was drafted, uh, they started talking, they started getting there, they started working out. I, I don't want to say they look like they're restrained, but they don't look like guys who have been playing together for a long period of time. I don't know if it's that the National Football League is doing a pretty good job of covering Devonta. I don't know if in this system that Nick Sirianni has, like on defense, it doesn't emphasize what he does well. I don't know if Jalen's ability to get the ball out um, downfield is matching up. But you're right. I'm disappointed in Devonta. I don't want to give him a pass because I put him on a pedestal that I thought he was the best receiver coming out this year and Jamar Chase has kind of lapped him with what he's doing with Cincinnati <laughs> right now. But uh, I, I, everybody takes a major question mark in my eyes to bond himself, the quarterback, the play calling the system. Yeah. I'm pretty disappointed in what they've gotten out of Devonta Smith. So far. Jody playmakers. And you know, this playmakers make plays no matter what system they're in. Playmakers are expected to make plays, and they make plays. Devontae Smith hasn't really made any plays. A couple of big shots, one he was knocked out of bounds, stuff like that. But he's not making any plays on offense. Now, is he not that good? Is Jalen Hurts not that good? Is uh, Quez Watkins not that good? I don't know the answer to that. But I know the gentleman who's calling the offensive plays, the head coach, is not getting it done. No. And, and, and I've got to believe that uh, Nick Sirianni on offense and Jonathan Gannon on defense are the main two reasons that we're two and five going into week eight. Week eight. Here's what we know about Devonta Smith. He does lead the Eagles in yardage receiving at 400 and change. He's the only guy they have over 400 yards, uh, yards, which isn't great when you think that Jamar Chase and Cincinnati is over 700 yards. So by comparison, yeah, the two guys just aren't uh, – one is having a breakout season, the other one's having a somewhat yawn-inducing season. And maybe even more telltale, as you were just re relating, uh, Krause, Devonta Smith's first-ever catch in the National Football League was a touchdown – on a tremendous touch fade pattern back of the end zone against the Falcons week one. His first ever catch was a touchdown. Man, you talk about setting the stage for a career. We're still waiting for that second touchdown. We're now going to week number eight. His first ever catch was a touchdown. Number two hasn't arrived yet. 
Yeah, somebody's got to answer the question why that is the case. You know what, Jody? When I saw in last week's game Jason Kelsey express on the field frustration, he didn't do it in front of the microphone. Fletcher Cox stood in front of the microphone and expressed frustration. Yep. Jason Kelsey, in my opinion, was expressing frustration with what the hell is going on with this football team right now. Uh, he did it on the field uh, and, and, and did it with the official. He didn't do it on the podium uh, in the postgame. But when veterans start to check out, I know you have Barrett Brooks coming up for the second hour. Barrett Brooks said to me uh, that it, back going back into um, training camp, and, and there was all this conversation about Nick and being a new head coach and all of this. And Barrett Brooks said that veteran players will follow a new head coach if the new head coach can prove to them that he can make them better. And, and I don't believe that this coaching staff is proving to the veterans, at least two of them, that he's going to make them better. Fletcher Cox said it, and Jason Kelsey expressed it. Which is fair, and I thought both of those guys uh, were well within their rights to be able to do so because they are Super Bowl champions, something Nick Sirianni is not. Um, it's it's fair. I'm not ready to go that, and, and Gannon kind of touched on this, um, I'm not ready to go, uh-oh, is he losing the locker room? I, I don't think that's the case. In both of those two guys' cases, Kelsey and Fletcher Cox, I think it was the frustration of the moment that they had gone out to Vegas and they'd gotten their tail kicked the way that they did. Um, I don't think they carried it back on the plane. I don't think they've been carrying it uh, the last couple of days after they returned from Vegas. I think it was the frustration of the moment. And I like what Gannon said. I like Gannon talking a lot better than I do coaching. I like what he said in that I'm okay with Fletcher being mad. He should be mad. That tells me he's a guy with a lot of pride and we didn't get it done. And his pride is uh, ticked off and he's not going to put up with it. He, he was okay with what Fletcher said. I was okay with, and then I like the fact that Gannon acknowledged it and didn't try and fight back. And, and like Sirianni did point out that Gannon's not getting the job done. He didn't say, well, my system might not be great for Fletcher, but Fletcher's got how many sacks and how many millions of dollars we pay? They, they could have made it a war of words. Gannon wisely diffused it by saying, I see where Fletcher's coming from. He's got a point. Um, so I don't think the fissures in the locker room as far as the coaching staff goes. I think the fans have had bad enough, but I think the players are still okay uh, that they'll go out and bust it. I think that despite having questions in the coaching staff in a lot of different ways, I think they have played hard. Even in the second half, the offense has become very good at getting, oh, by the way, garbage points. I, I don't know that the defense ever quit on uh, Gannon on this past Sunday or at any time during this year. I think they played hard throughout the season. I don't think that's come into play yet, Krause, that uh, the veteran guys are uh, like ready to check out on this team in this season. I don't think that's the case yet. Well, you got a new head coach that you're going to compete against this week when you go into Detroit. And and and, and, and Dan Campbell, the head coach of the Detroit Lions, is 0-7. And guess what? 
he has not lost the locker room. The Detroit Lions are 0-7, and, and the Detroit Lions are playing like they're 4-3 and or 5-2 or 3-4, and or, or and or and whatever it is. They're playing hard, uh, and they're competing. And, and, Jody, I agree with you. I don't think the defensive players are quitting on this football team. They're playing the game that's being crafted for them by their head coach. Krause, one last thing, and then uh, Barrett's going to join us coming up next hour. Uh, and I know I'm at least responses I'm getting on Twitter, on WIP the last couple of nights, even a guest we have here on uh, Birds 365. I'm in the minority. I'm giving the Detroit Lions very little credit for hanging tough, for being in every single game, for coming close to their opposition who adds more talent than they do. They've lost every game. 0-7 is 0-7. Yep. The Eagles aren't good, and they found a way to win two games. The Lions are flat-out bad, and that's why they've lost all seven games. As a matter of fact, this past week against the Rams, talk about pulling out all the stops. Nick Sirianni had the ill-fated onside kick attempt to start the second half, which, by the way, uh, Jake Elliott did a really good job on the kick aspect of the onside kick. He did a terrible job on the recover aspect. He went into his slide way too early. If he had just stayed on his feet, he grabs the ball, he falls down, the Eagles get it. So Jake gets half credit, but not full credit for what he did. And I had no problems with Sirianni trying to roll the dice there. Speaking of rolling the dice, Campbell, one onside kick, two fake punts in the game. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Last week against the Rams. So he pulled out all the stops. And oh, by the way, he was successful with every one of them. The Eagles tried it. They didn't even get the ball. It cost them. And what was the final score? They lost. So, uh, no, I'm not a guy who buys into the, yeah, but they're playing hard. Yeah, but they're still behind the coach. Yeah, but it's all, no, it might not be a matter of time. I think they're that bad a football team that no matter what the coach does, no matter how much they may like him, no matter how inspiring he may be, they're not talented enough to win a football game, and I don't think they're going to win one against the Eagles on Sunday. Well, that may be the case, but let me know um, when DeAndre Swift or Jared Goff or somebody from the Detroit Lions walks up to the podium and checks out uh, on the scheme that they're playing in Detroit, win, lose, win, lose, or draw. Jody, I'll leave you with this because I know you're going to transition into uh, some real football talk uh, with Barrett Brooks. But I said this last night on Football 24-7. I want to thank all of the viewers, subscribers, and watchers uh, of Birds 365. I want to thank you, Jody Mack. I want to thank John McMullen. Four hundred and fifty thousand hours of content consumption on the jacob media youtube channel translates to 27 million minutes of consumption 
on the Jacob Media YouTube channel, uh, and that is through October. Uh, so great work by you. Special thanks to everybody um, who watches the show live, who consumes the information throughout the day. Uh, great shout out to Xander Krause uh, as ready. Uh, you know what? Well. You know what that tells me, Krause. We as Americans have too much time on our hands. Uh, if we put uh, Twenty-seven yeah. million minutes into me and McMullen. Damn, we got to get well, a the channel or something. Well, the channel, twenty-seven million in the oh, whole channel. The, 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 the whole channel. channel Birds three sixty-five. The middle with Aton Barrett and Harry, and of course the National Football Show, uh, the post-game show, all of that stuff. But still, twenty-seven million minutes. I'm in on that. Thanks to everybody, brother. You got it, Krause. Thanks very much. Yeah, that's a lot of time spent here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. Glad you're enjoying it. We got an hour left of Birds 365. You've already heard from Johnny Mac. Joe K jumped in for a couple. Joining me next is former Eagle, Mr. Middle himself. Barrett Brooks going to jump aboard Birds 365. <laughs> At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messon Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. In Philadelphia, we celebrated the miracle with pride only five years ago. And then the following morning, IBEW Local 98 members went back to work, building this city, rescuing our communities from decay, and inspiring the young men and women of the region to take pride in who we are. Like the cats, Local 98 members believe in hope. John Doherty, business manager of Local 98, says it this way. The best way not to forget where you come from is to never leave. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Go for the midnight tears. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. 
Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. It is Birds 365, a Wednesday edition. Good match. Just shuttling guys in and shuttling guys out. We got a big shuttle coming in here. Uh, looking forward to spending the next 55 minutes or so with uh, my buddy Barrett Brooks from the middle in NBC Sports, Philadelphia. Are those reading glasses or those shades? Are you wearing shades inside again, Brooks? These are these are blue glasses. It keeps your eyes from getting all messed up when you're watching these laptops all day. Okay. You all know, right. we watch. We spend a lot of time watching the laptops, so I'm trying to keep my eyes from getting headaches and the things of that nature, man. So Good you know, that's you. why I wear them. I take off my reading glasses, so if you see me wiping my eyes and or holding my sheet up because I right. can't be able to read it, uh, it's and, uh, a little, little more difficult without the uh, glasses on, but good for you keeping yours on. All right, here's why I want to go first with you, Barrett. I'm tapping into not only the great job that you do with NBC Sports Philly and with us on the middle, um, but your former player status. Let's say you're a player like, since we'll pick one on the Eagles right now, in a specific position as far as it goes, length of time with the team, position on the team, contract status. I'm going to make you Jordan Mailata, okay? Uh, Seventh-round draft pick. Knew it was going to be a learning curve. They had him on the roster, never played him. Took forever to build him up. Got him to a point where he got him into games. Started to show a little bit. Has a competition for a starting job this year. Wins it not even close, dominating over Dillard. Uh, good enough that the Eagles make a commitment to him with a uh, contract going forward. His status with the Philadelphia Eagles. If he thinks what the Eagles are doing on offense right now is just not working, whether it's scheme related, whether it's his teammates, related, the results are in, it's not getting the job done. How does he voice that within the organization? Does he go to his position coach first and say, here's what would, and I, I, I'm just telling you what I'm seeing out there on the field. This doesn't work. That doesn't work. I'm being asked to do this. This guy's not holding up his end of the bargain. Does he go to the offensive coordinator and go, I see, I get, I know what you're doing, coach. I guess the offensive coordinator, you go, go to Shane Steichen before he goes to the guy who's actually calling the plays, Nick Sirianni. How does a guy with my lot of status, because if you're a rookie Probably they tell you, shut up and get back out there. If you're a guy who's been around for a long time, been a Super Bowl winner, contributor like that, you're going to have a gravitas with your opinion that others aren't. I like the little kind of middle of the road, my lot of position. How does he handle getting his message across if he's seeing issues with the scheme the offense is running? Well, you know, he already voiced his opinion. He's actually the first one to really say anything about um, what other teams are seeing from this Eagle, from this Eagles team. He said that, you know, it seemed like when he went out there, they knew what he was doing uh, before he was doing it. And that just comes from there's no sauce, there's no pep to the offense. You know, they're running very bland plays, plays that they keep running over and over again. Now, if you were one of those teams in which they, you know, I've, I've been on the team before, we took five plays, and we ran those five plays from different formations, different personnel packages. But we ran them so well that, you know, we didn't worry about it. That was when I was with the Steelers. We had basically like five run plays and five pass plays, but we were ran them in so many different variations that teams couldn't get really a grasp on it. But if they did get a grasp on it, 
we were so good that it didn't matter. We were just going to punch you in the mouth and keep on moving. But we don't have that type of team here. We don't have the athletes that I had when I was with the Steelers. So if you look at, you know, him as a player, he's like, well, you know, they, I just said that they know what's going on before it happens. Um, why, you know, why are we still bumping our head against the wall? He can say that now. He has enough juice to say that now to the offensive line coach, not necessarily to the head coach. But at this point, you know, it really doesn't matter because the offensive line coach is the tenured guy there. He's the guy that has should have the most juice as far as um, how things are going and to listen to him. You know, he's been there for ages. I mean, he's a pretty smart guy. I mean, he's 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 made this team who they are with the offensive line. So he should go tell him. He should be the barometer on on how things get done from this point going forward. He should have a lot of say so on what they're going to do, what developments they're going to make in this in this offense as they go forward. You know, so he should voice his opinion to to his coach. His coach is the guy. All right, uh, and he voices his opinion to the media, and that's certainly the message you hope got across to the coaches. That really, they, they they can see what's coming ahead of time. Um, so that's another way that you can attack it. Uh, since I brought up my lot, I'll ask you another question here. And I, I stood by what I said then, and I'll stand by it now. When they made the decision, when Lane Johnson came out of the lineup, um, they uh, uh, just to start threw Driscoll into the mix at uh, right tackle. When they had the whole week to be able to make the judgment and Mylotta came back, they decided to move Mylotta to the other side. Basically comes down to who do you want to play, Dillard or Herbig? Even though they're two completely different positions, you got to make a call between each of those two guys. My choice would have been to leave Mylotta on the left side. Just leave him over there. You just paid the guy. You got faith. He's your left tackle going forward. Don't move him just because he's shown enough flexibility to move over there. That's why you do it. And then, oh, by the way, he got abused when he was playing at right tackle. Didn't really work out too well. I would never move them over. I would have just plugged Herbick in. The Eagles went differently. Now this week, my lot gets back over to left tackle because Lane comes back. And, oh, by the way, he didn't play well in uh, his usual spot either. He was getting beat badly. I get how difficult the task is it? for a guy to move from one side to the other, from inside to outside. Uh, Some of us don't comprehend it because we never played in the trenches, certainly not on the National Football League level. On any level, I never played in the trenches. So I can't (laughs) relate. I need you to relate for me. How difficult is that to do? And when you start doing it, do you run the risk of potentially hurting a guy in a couple of different positions? You know what? It's not going to be – it's not hard for him. Um, he just had to get back into practice of doing it. That's what he did, you know, his entire career being in the NFL. You know, for three years, he was a guy to flip-flop back and forth. So we learned both ways on how to play the game. It's re- it's very it's, it's very hard for a guy like for for a guy like Dillard to do it because Dillard played left tackle his entire career, and that's what the position he learned. So he's so he's so wired to just being on the left side that it really be a hard transition for him to go to the left side. Um, it was hard for me when I first did it, you know, my fourth year in the league when Trey Thomas came, he was like, Hey, Trey's the guy now, you know, Trey, as soon as they said, you know, we picked Trey Thomas as pick number, whatever it was from that point on, I knew I had to go out there and start, you know, practicing my, my right hand stance, my right hand uh, sets. But I eventually learned and it took about a good, it took about a good six months for me to get comfortable enough to play in game type situations to go in and play like that. 
you know, it, it took a while for me to get my, you know, my, my mind to really focus on, you know, my strong hand being now my, my, uh, my left hand, you know, and then that's, that's basically what it is. You know, the, the inside has to be your strong hand and the outside, you know, you have to be ready to fight with. And that's the difference, you know, from, from flip-flopping both sides, your power foot, is your inside foot as opposed to being your outside foot. Your kick foot, you know, get it moving faster than your, your inside foot. All those things have to take place. So it wouldn't be hard for Jordan to flip out back and forth. Um, he had a couple plays when he was at the right side in which he messed up. But, you know, that's that's that you know that, that's going to happen. On the left side, uh, he's good to go. He'll be good to go. But it just so happens sometimes you get the bear, sometimes the bear gets you. And that's what happened to him this last game. He just lined up against some really good pass rushers. I mean, those guys were good. And the offensive coordinator slash head coach didn't help him out by not allowing him to use his strength. And that's him using his athletic and his power and, and, and his girth to come off the ball and hit a guy in the mouth run blocking. That's the problem. When you have guys that can rush the passer like that, you don't keep passing the ball. You run the ball a little bit just so you can have these guys thinking, all right, I don't want that, you know, 380 pounds leaning on me like that, coming off the rock on me like that. They didn't experience it enough. So they kept, you know, they kept just passing the ball. So they just put Jordan Malata and Lane Johnson in a bad situation because you got two guys that could really rush the passer. That was that was that's that's a lot to do with the offensive coordinator slash head coach not putting those guys in great positions. All right. So you're giving those guys a partial pass because they were up against really good pass rushers. I can understand that. I've been in that position, man. I've been playing against, you know, played against Derek Thomas. And you're asking me to go out there and block Derek Thomas one-on-one right. -on -one through the entire game and me not having a chance to go out there and put my hands on him and run block him. I mean, that's not fair. You know what I'm saying? That's, that's, that's putting me in a bad position. So I understand being in that position, how, how that could be, you know, going against Bruce Smith and you don't allow me to at least come off the ball, put my helmet right in the middle of his chest and drive him off the ball, dump him on his head. Five yards down the field. That's not. That's not. That's not cool, man. That's not fair at all to put your guys in those types of positions. I understand where you're coming from, and I think your stance is fair. Then let me ask you this: Before the season started, most people, yours truly included, and I believe Barrett Books said uh, one of the things Eagles have going for them going into the 2021 season is the trenches. They're good in the trenches. Their defensive line got X amount of sacks last year. They were in the top. 10 in the NFL and sacks and pressures and everything. And they've got everybody back this year. Understood that the middle was the main strength with Fletcher Cox and Javon Hargrave, but their defensive end's good enough. They're going to get to the quarterback. They're going to put pressure on the quarterback. Brandon Graham goes down, pressure on the quarterback from the defensive end stops, not just slows down. Gone. Yes. Josh Wett has <laughs> one and a half sacks. Derek Point adds the same as you or I. Zero. Uh, they go pick up Brian Kerrigan from Washington, who, hey, Jody Mack, guilty as charged. Thought it was a nice pickup. Got him I for a too. fair price. He's going to come too. in here and help this defensive pass rush. Zippity doo He doesn't even get on the field anymore. What the hell has happened to the Eagles' defensive ends, Barrett Brooks? I, you know what? This, this, it's crazy that, you know, one guy can have that much of an impact on, you know, whether we get sacks or not. Brandon Graham just goes to show how good of a player he is in which everything is dictated by his performance, you know, him coming off the ball, him being that hammered um, on, on, on the defense. You know, he, 
it, it, it seems as though he's that guy that pushes everything. It's, it's just like when you watch Lion Hunt, you know, female Lion Hunt, you have one female lion go out and start the chase, and then from out of nowhere, the other pride members come. It seemed like that's what Brandon Graham is. He was that, you know, he was that one lion that would chase everybody into the rest of the pride of lions. So there's nobody now to be that spearhead to, 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 to press the quarterback and put him in a bad position so the other guy can come eat. You know, that's that, and that's not fair, but that's what's happening. That's what's not happening. They are not generating any pressure from the outside. And, you know, and it's hurting his, it's hurting his defense. You know, you you have athletes right now in the corner positions, which you can really pretty much do what you want to do. You just don't have the defensive ends rushing the passer well enough to to you know make a you know make a positive influence on where the ball is going. You know, they can take all day to throw the ball, and you saw that in this last game. Carr was back there unmolested, just sitting back there doing nothing. I mean, you know, I mean, not running around and just executing his offense to perfection because he had nobody in his face in the pass rush. It's crazy, man, that, um, you know, BG had that much of an impact on this team. All right, I want to get your take on the Eagles and how much running they will do of the football this week against the Detroit Lions before we just get into the whole matchup against the Lions and start to get your feeling on whether the Eagles are going to be able to get a road win this week uh running the football the coach was coming under fire he doesn't run it enough uh way too few running plays uh just putting Jalen Hurts out there with the target on his back in his run the whole RPO aspect of it uh most people are like 95 percent go yeah come on Nick wake up you gotta have run balance to be able to pass the ball as much as you want so he listened and he did first drive against the Raiders this past week shocking quarterback under center you mean he can really just hand the ball off to miles sanders and let him move the ball look good work good down the field touchdown right possession he kind of got away from it okay fine yeah the other things no he didn't kind of get away from it bro he got away from it you know what damn running the ball let me do what i want to do i'm gonna pass the ball and what happened yeah, we got smashed. Yeah. You know, you just can't do it. You you can't you can't have your your defense out there for that many set amount of plays. You know, this three and out is is, is getting old for the defense, and soon they're going to start saying stuff. You know, Fletcher's already started. You know, talking about it. it. It it's it's a shame that Fletcher is getting all this all this you know brought on him when he's being vocal. He's probably talking for half the team when he's saying what he's saying. You know what I'm saying? He's saying what he's saying, not just for himself, but for a lot of guys on the team are thinking the same thing. Why are we not getting put in any good position? You know, the offensive line needed some help. They weren't playing well. So you put them in a better position. You run the ball. That way those smaller defensive ends can now meet the fury of 380 pounds laying on top of them. That's how you equalize, you know, them coming off the ball and pass rushing. You run the ball. You put them in a better position. Don't keep, you know, allowing those guys to feast. Then allow them to keep hunting, rushing the passer. You put some weight on them, man. You you, you hit them in the mouth. You let your offensive line dictate it. I mean, you have a you know you have a country boy sitting there at left guard who's ready to come off the ball and run block. Has a nasty disposition, but you're gonna keep throwing the ball, put them in a bad position. You know, it's it's it's, it's really that basic. It really is. You know, he's good. You know, he can say all he wants to say about, you know, well, 
you know, the, the defense didn't dictate. Well, you don't dic- let them dictate to you. You dictate to them. You run the ball. And it wasn't like they were up, you know, that much early. You know, you I mean, I- they – we were you mean up, offensive linemen prefer to run block than pass block? I, That's it, only been the case since, oh, forever? <laughs> Novel idea, right? Run the ball. You know, and he showed, you, you showed the success they had in the first drive. That's what made me mad because you show me, you dangle it in front of me, then you just take it back. You know what I'm saying? You just take it back and not do it anymore. And then you'll say, all right, then, oh, well, you know, Miles Sanders wasn't hurt. It does not matter. You can use other guys there. You have talent there. You just chose not to do it. You chose not to run the rock. I mean, you mean to tell me that, you know, Scott couldn't go out there and run in between the tackles? He did it all last year. He didn't stop learning how to play the game. You know, he can still play the game, and he's pretty damn explosive still. You going to tell me Kenneth Gainwell couldn't go out there and get his fair share of carries and make it happen? And then a the guy's like, oh, he fumbled. That happens, man. He's a young guy. It happens. It happens to veteran players. But run the ball. It doesn't matter anything else. Run the ball. This this defense, that defense was 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 primed to get the ball run on them. They were the 25th ranked defense against the run. You know, they let more guys run on them 100-yard rushers than just about anybody in the league, and we don't do it. You know, that's this, that's poor execution. That's a travesty um, for this offensive line to be put in that position. It is. It just doesn't make sense to me. You know, so until we start running the ball consistently, we will f- continue to lose games consistently. All right, so let's look ahead to this week against the winless Detroit Lions as far as the aspect of running the ball goes. Detroit's not great at stopping the run. They're not great at stopping the pass either, so I don't know that there's one preference. You're right, the Raiders are kind of stuck out. They're pretty darn bad against the run, and the Eagles didn't take enough of an advantage of it. Um, you should be able to move the ball against Detroit however you see fit because their defense isn't that good. Um Last week when Miles went down, Boston Scott actually got more carries than Kenny Gainwell did, um, which I think is somewhat telling. I think they want to use Gainwell out of the backfield, catching the ball more than just handing it to him, which I kind of agree with. Um, but they may add Jordan Howard from the practice squad. All uh, seven games this year, they've gone with three backs on the roster on game day. They haven't necessarily used all three backs. Boston's got uh, missing in action, uh, but he wasn't this week. Got a chance to play, and you're right. He made a couple plays, and he did what he did last year. It isn't like we're bringing a wet behind the ears, never played before guy in. You're bringing a guy who has gotten a job done for them in uh, years gone by. Is it going to be uh, Boston Scott this year, or do you think they turn to a guy like Jawan Howard and say, if we're elevating him, we're playing him, and uh, we're going to turn around and give him the football plenty? Well, they, they should, but I don't know what this, I don't know what this play calling, you know, I don't know what they're going to do, man. Cause at this point they don't, they, they shy away from conventional wisdom so much that you can't really make an accurate assessment on what they're going to do. Besides they're going to run the ball. I mean, they're going to pass the ball. They're just going to pass it. Period. Point blank. That's the only thing for sure that I know that they're going to do it 80% of the time. And that's, that's, that's so telling about an offense that do you know, they're going to pass at least 80%, 70 to 80% of the time, man. I mean, come on, man. And then your 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 leading rusher is your quarterback. And it's not schematically him getting hand, I mean, him um taking a ball and running a designed run play. It's him improvising because the defense knows what he's doing. 
they understood how to stop RPOs for four games straight, and we still ran RPOs as the major focal point of the offense. You just don't do that. That's not fair. You're asking this young guy to take control of this entire team, put it on his back on every single play. Give him a time to relax, man, by letting him hand the ball off. You know what I'm saying? Watch the game from from perspective behind. You know, watch those guys that get paid to run the rock to run the rock. They didn't allow him to do that. You know, they just they they put this guy in a bad position. You know, he's you're still not going to see what Jalen Hurst brings to the table because, you know, the the game plans that they're implementing aren't good. And if they if a defense comes out and and encounters it, you got to have a counterpunch to counterpunch their counterpunch. Yeah, I've had but this debate. I've had this debate with my partner, Johnny Mack, um, and see if you fall down more on my side or his side. Uh, I think uh, I'm pretty sure you're going to fall on my side because, A, number one, you're that smart. And, B, you just kind of <laughs> tipped your hand there a second ago. Um, the whole RPO thing, uh, this, the, the, the reasoning behind it is it's simplistic, that the quarterback only has to read one defender and that will drive his decision as to whether to hand the ball off or pull it back and either make a play with your arms or eventually make a play with your legs. I get that. It's it's not something that's terribly hard, but it is a decision. When you call a running play, put him under center, turn around, hand it to the running back, there's no decision. You just do what you're told. You run the play the way it's designed to be run. One decision, it will always be more than no decisions. So we want to talk about simplifying. Oh, RPO is simplistic. Yeah, but it's less simplistic than just turning around and handing the ball off. So why are they doing this to Jalen Hurts? I don't understand it. Well, I mean, I do. I, I, they want to put the ball in his hands because he's he's a good athlete. I mean, he's he's a, he's a guy that can go out and make some things happen with his legs. He has a strong enough arm that he can make some things happen with his arm. You know, you're trying to get the best of both worlds in one play. I understand all that, but I say it time and time again. Defensive coordinators could pay millions of dollars to stop plays like that, and that's exactly what's happening. I mean, it's, it's so simple. All they're doing is is is, is taking the, the defensive end and crashing them down, which makes the quarterback pull the ball because that's the guy they're reading on the RPO. So the R part of the RPO is the run. So they crash the end. That takes away – the running of the RPO because he's going to have to pull it because the defensive end is going to go and tackle the running back. So then you go to the P aspect of it. Defensive coordinators, when they when they crash that end down, they're scraping a linebacker around. Number one, his first job is to, to tackle the quarterback. His second job is to be in that passing lane for the pass. And, oh, also, they're bringing down a safety to get in the passing lane of the dig route, the 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 slant route, or even the you know a comeback route, and the corner is playing tough on whatever side the running back is on. He's playing up tight, so that takes away the the P side of the RPO. So now they're taking a run pass out of, out of it, the pass out of it. Now it's the O, the option now. Well, the option is now you're making your quarterback freestyle. That's the only option he has. He has the freestyle. So we talk about Jalen Hurts not being you know in a, in a, in, a, in an offense in which you know he's directed to go this way, this way, and that way. No, he's improvising. He's playing schoolyard football. He's out there trying to make a play where there was no play because the defense took it away from him. How fair is that? You put him in a position to fail because defensive coordinators know how to stop the play. Pure point blank. You showed it time and time again. They know how to stop it. All you got to do is slant a guy, scrape a guy, and drop a guy down in a hole, 
and you essentially taking that play, putting the quarterback's hand for him to go out there and freestyle on that play. Barrett Brooks here with me, uh, Jody Mack on Birds 365. We've talked a lot about the quarterback position and what has happened. I want to get Barrett's look into the future on what will happen with the quarterback position rest of this year, Jalen Hurts, maybe a Gardner Minshew. And then where do the Eagles go in 2022? Um, come back, talk more quarterback with our former Eagle and middle host, our buddy Barrett Brooks here with us on Birds 365. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Mesa and Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. In Philadelphia, we celebrated the miracle with pride only five years ago. And then the following morning, IBEW Local 98 members went back to work, building this city, rescuing our communities from decay, and inspiring the young men and women of the region to take pride in who we are. Like the cats, Local 98 members believe in hope. John Doherty, business manager of Local 98, says it this way. The best way not to forget where you come from is to never leave. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com.
appreciate you being part of Birds 365 here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. I got Baron Brooks by my side today. Johnny Mackin, it's COVID test done. So can go to Detroit and uh, see Detroit's uh, lovely landscape and really nice stadium. And can the Eagles actually get a road win? I'll get to that with Barrett, but uh, I said I wanted to talk about that too, man. Um, I probably should have made this point when I asked you about my lot of jumping back and forth. Uh, from the right side to the left side. Sometimes you got to jump from some guys are capable of moving from inside to outside, guard to tackle. Uh, how many games in the NFL did you play at guard? Mm. I played my last, I say my last four years playing guard and tackle. So I would flip flop. I was a so six you man. Did, you did both. That's, mm-hmm. uh, that's what I thought. I wasn't sure. I just wanted to confirm. Um, in your time at guard, when they asked you to pull, did you ever pull so fast that you got your hand in the way of a snap? That you knocked <laughs> down a snap to the quarterback? I knew you no. were quick, but were you that quick that you could get out and get your hand in the way of a snap? You know, that's 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 almost like danger prone Daphne esque. You know what I'm saying? When I saw that, I was I was incredible. You know, my my producer actually saw it. You know, Mike Mulhern. He probably he saw, he saw it, but uh, uh, I haven't seen that happen. Um, I, you know, usually you jump the snap when that happens. So evidently, you know, it's, it's, it's always, when it says a game of interest, it really is a game of interest because his snap, his, um, his, his split was too small. You know, you got to give more of a split. So, you know, when you would, now, I, I, I don't understand it. So I'm guessing most of our listeners don't understand it. Right. All Explain right. Explain to us what you mean by too much of a split. When you line up on the offensive line, you got the center and guards on each side and the tackles on each side. Between the center and the guard should be a foot and a half split. I oh, think if you look at it, it's probably like a split. Between yeah. you and your teammate. Okay, yep. I got it. So he was, you know, it was he had a smaller split because he was going to pull, trying to cheat it. Trying a to bit. cheat. He got yeah, caught cheating cheat is what you're telling yeah. me. <laughs> right, right. So you know he should have had a bigger split. Um, I've seen that happen where the the quarterback gets stepped on. You know, because he's sitting there, you know, he doesn't get out of the way fast enough. But I haven't seen somebody with the hand knock it down. That, that was kind of new to me. Yeah, You know what I mean? That he's that quick that he probably jumped the snap a little bit and had a cheated split, which allowed to happen. I mean, that's what, only stuff like that happens to my birds. You know what I'm saying? Only <laughs> stuff like that happens to uh, Philadelphia sports. You know what I'm saying? Just just stuff like that. You know what I mean? I, I don't understand it, man, but it just happens to us, man. I mean, I mean, it's like it's like. We're we're almost, you know, we're, we're just, you know, we're just in a position. We never have nice things happen to us. You know, for the past five years, nothing has really happened to us really nice, man. It so. was it was a newbie. Well, five years does include the Super Bowl. <laughs> so let's say the last three years plus. Three years. Okay, um, yeah, three years. Uh, yeah, and although I've never played the game, I've probably watched it more than you because I've been around longer than you, Barrett. So I can also say never seen that before never seen an offensive lineman get his hands on a direct snap before so that was a first for everybody i right, that quarterback galen hurts we talked a lot about what they've done with him so far uh why they've done it uh things that have worked the things that haven't worked things that have been ill-advised we got nine games left to go and i think the eagles are going or 10 games left to go because we're now playing 17 i think they're going to win against the lions this week um, the last 10 games are going to play out the way they're going to play out. And Jalen Hurts is going to achieve what he's uh, going to achieve. Is it going to be enough? You've seen the first seven. I'm asking you to project 
the next 10? Is it going to be Jalen Hurts the entire time? Are they going to give Gardner Minshew a shot? People suggesting because Joe Flacco got traded last week. This makes it more apparent that Gardner Minshew is going to get a chance to play for the Eagles this year. I think it just means he moved up to number two. He's going to actually get the dress. All right, Gardner, going to put a uniform on this weekend. Good for you, buddy. Um, yeah, I don't know that's if they're exactly going to use him. What do you think the Eagles uh, do over the next 10 games at QB? I'm telling you the truth, man. It, it, it was just a happenstance. Um, you know, it was just the perfect storm for Howie. That's that's all it is. It was a perfect storm for Howie where uh, the Jets needed a quarterback. Their rookie quarterback went down. They needed a quarterback that came in, that can come in, knows the system, can go out there and play right now. The comfortability with Joe Douglas and Flacco was 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 perfect. And we got a six-round pick out of him. You know, and I mean, that's just a perfect storm for Howie. Had nothing to do with Garner Mitchell and his prowess on the field. Like he, you know, he came in and been ripping things up on scout team. Has nothing to do with that, moving it up the depth chart or anything else. It had more to do with a veteran quarterback getting an opportunity to play. So, I mean, you know, the three parties, you know, definitely, well, four parties. The four parties definitely had a fair shake with it. You know, it was a great deal for everybody. The Eagles get a six round pick, the Jets get a quarterback that can come in and play right now. Um, you know, Flacco gets to, you know, play another year, you know, get some reps and, and get in the game. He wasn't going to get in here. And then Garner Mitchell moves from number three to number two, and he may get to play if Hurts gets hurt. That's that's essentially what it is. It's not, it's not a thing where he's been so exceptional in practice that they're going to have to play him. They have plenty of film on him. They know what he can do. Right now they're trying to figure out what Hurts can do. And they're still not – they know what he can do in practice. They're still not giving him an opportunity to really – open up and flourish as a quarterback in the offense because I mean I just don't think they're calling good games. You know, so I mean that's that's just my opinion, you know. If is 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 a situation where I don't think that the head coach is putting him in a great position. And I I would tell him it to him to his face. You know, it's not like I wouldn't say it in front of him. I mean the coach, you know, I don't think that you're putting him in a good position. He'd ask me, well, how would you do it? And I would break down how I would do it. You know, I'm different because I know what's going on in the offense. I know what I would do. I've been around great offenses. I've been around poor offenses. At this point, I see that it's been a, you know, for the most part, poorly called games. You know, um, I've had situations where, you know, every team that I played for, we had a first 15. And those first 15 are the best plays we think could play against that team. Well, their first 15 doesn't don't look very good at all, if they even do that. And I doubt if they even do it. But I don't see things that set up other things. I don't see plays that set up other plays. You know, you might run a slant here, slant here, slant here, so you can open up and run a slant and go. You know, you know, so plays that, you know, help other plays become big plays. I don't see that happening. I don't see them consistently going out there and running things that are good. I've seen them, you know, put themselves in terrible situations because – you know, they, they do stupid stuff. They're young. They jump off sides, do stuff like that. I understand that. You know, so a lot of the times these play calling, they get caught behind the buck because, yeah, you know, they might make a stupid mistake, a, a holding call. So it'll be, it'll be, you know, there's not a lot of plays for third and 20 or third and 15. I, they found themselves a lot of times in those type of situations. But I think that they can stop being in those situations if they go out and run the ball instead of passing the ball. Because every time you pass the ball and it's an incomplete pass, all right, now you're starting off second and 10 as, as opposed to being at least 
second and in, in, in four or, or, or second and six. You know, though, to me, you, you're guaranteed to get that with the offensive line that you have. You know, those guys are big enough, strong enough that you can get five yards a pop. Now you're dealing in second and um, second and five, second and six, second and, you know, seven. I mean, to me, that's better than being second and ten when you, you try to throw the ball and it doesn't work. It's just it's just a better it's a better way to run the offense by highlighting the run and 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 that's the most damning thing you can do to a to a to a defense. I mean, it's demoralizes the defense. You when you run the ball, you know you're gonna run the ball, and they can't stop it. I mean, they can't do anything about it. Not do they have an offensive line that can do that? We just don't put them in that type of situation a lot. And this is a defense that I think you can do it against too with the Lions coming up on Sunday. All right. Um, I want to extend an invitation to you, Barrett, to Quarterback Island. At this point, <laughs> I'm a guy who, while I'm not on the island by myself, I know that I'm the only guy on the top of the hill who is just stone cold waving the flag for a specific quarterback direction with the Eagles. Others who have asked so far, guests, uh, social media and the like, some are just jumping immediately back into the water going, the hell with your island. Some are on the island, but nobody's climbing up the hill with me to get to the peak to wave the flag. I want the next quarterback of the Philadelphia Eagles to be Tua Tungabaloa. Story broke last night. The Dolphins and the Texans have worked out the players for the Sean Watson trade. There's still a bunch of things the Dolphin owner wants, which is the Sean to settle all his lawsuits. Not happening. For Roger Goodell to come in and dictate exactly what he's going to do with Deshaun Watson if he gets traded and they plan on playing him right away. I don't think that's happening either. So I'm not saying that the trade is done. All I will say is that John McClain, who knows more about the Texans than anybody else in the media anywhere on the planet, said they've agreed on the players, which means there's been a major advancement. If that's the case and Deshaun Watson gets traded, Tua Tungabaloa becomes available. The Dolphins aren't going to keep both of those quarterbacks. I would love to see the Eagles make a move for Tua Tungabaloa. I think you get him at discounted price. He was just a year and a half removed from being the fifth pick in the draft. I think you may be able to get him for a conditional two that moves up to a one, depending on how much he plays. I'm not sure exactly what his market's going to be. I think there'll be several teams jumping into it, so there's going to be competition. Maybe it'll be a straight-up one pick that they would have to give up. But I would like the Eagles to be one of those teams competing for Tua Tungabaloa if he becomes available. Man, you are always on the same page, but this time I, I'm not. Are on you the same even position. on the island, or no, you I'm jump even, back into the water? I passed that island up. Oh. <laughs> I, I I just don't think he has he he has that it factor in this league. Um, you know he he's. I think Jalen. How many games do you point, think he started? Uh, probably the same amount as Jalen. There you go. But we're continuing and I think to same. give Jalen what well, we got to give him time. We got to let him develop. We got to wait for this. Is he's a young quarterback? Well, do it's the same thing. They both started the same number of games at this point in their career. I but see, I, I, I see, I see, I see Jalen as a better quarterback right now than 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 you uh, think Tua. Jalen's better than Tua. I think so. Yeah. I oh think my so. god. I think he has a higher ceiling than he does. Oh also. my god. I think he does, man. Because I mean, we're talking about a quarterback, and and I. I I see what's going on in, in, in Arizona. You know, Murray's a small quarterback, but two is really small, man. And, and I think Jalen, you know, given an opportunity, can play a lot better than he's playing. Uh, you know, they're virtually the same player. 
I just think that, um, you know, to me, I think that Hurts is just a little bit better. You know what I mean? Just just a little bit, just a little bit better. Um, he just needs a little more help in play calling and putting himself, put him in a better position. I think they gave Tua every single opportunity to go out there and play. They haven't given Hurts the same opportunity um, to to really call. How do you think they pro- both they both started the same number of games in the league? Absolutely, they both started the same number of games, but the system in which they were running, Tua had more the Dolphin of a systems situation. that good, better than what they're doing with Hurts. They call better plays than what they call with Hurts. They're giving themselves more of a chance to win with Tua than they are giving Hurts a chance to win. They're not giving them an opportunity to well. It's not they're not giving an opportunity. They're giving an opportunity because he's playing, period, point blank. I understand that. But he can be put in a better position if play calling was better, period, point blank. If, if, yeah. if play calling was better, he would be in a better situation. We'd be, we'd be singing a different song if he had the autonomy to go out there, run the ball, hand the ball off a little more than he had. Well, at least, at least give me, give me at least, at the very least, 20 more handoffs to the running back, and I see you, you would have a substantially different record for this Eagles team. Most uh, to his, most of two his starts came last year when and and I talked to people around the team and guys media guys who cover it and the like they were just scared. You talk about a a a shrunken down system. You think they bend over backwards to protect Hurts and keep his throws short and out of the middle of the field? They were even more protective of Tua last year. They, they had plays weren't drawn up more than three yards down the field. Over the line of scrimmage, which was right. ridiculous <laughs> last year. But you know um, that would that would hurt. That would work with hurts because you know he showed the he showed he was very effective in doing that when they played against Kansas City. They they gave him a game plan and everything was three step drops at the most five step drops. They run a lot of seven and five um, with 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 hurts for the majority of the time. You know what I mean? Just from him being the shotgun. But when he had that quicker offense, when the ball was getting out of his hand on time, he looked like a better quarterback. Added a little run to that, that'd be the perfect system for him. They just don't do it. They don't highlight his ability to make and process quick decisions and getting the ball out if you game plan that. Run comebacks, you know, run stop routes, run slant routes, you know, run drag routes across the field, those dig routes. Those are all routes that he he throws very, very well. And if you can get him going on in, in timing routes with those same type of routes, I mean, the offense could run a lot better. But you have to run the ball in excess of, 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 of at least, you know, I mean, get, if they were to run the ball, put it like this, if they were to run the ball on every first down, they would be a lot more successful because they don't, they have the worst first down, um, you know, they have the worst first down yardage as far as any team in the league. You know, that I mean, it's, it's absolutely a trend. I think it was at one point I was talking to Ray on first down, they averaged negative one yard, negative one yard. I'm like, come on, man. I mean, that's ridiculous. Negative one yard on first down. That means you're passing too much, number one, passing way too much. And that means, you know, you're trying to do this RPO and it's not working for you. So at this point, I mean, I still don't think he's he's getting enough help. Now, if I was an offensive coordinator and I was calling plays for him, Yes, I would still go with RPOs, but I would have run, run, run first. Run to set up the pass. It works. Running to set up the pass works with a lot of teams. I mean, look what it did for the Raiders we just played. They ran the ball, and they were able to put the ball down the field because they could run play action after that. When you run the ball, it opens your playbook from this much 
to this much because now the defense is on their on their heels because they don't know what you're going to do. We are so one-dimensional that it's crazy. We're just going to line up and, and, and shotgun with the quarter with the running back right next to us. We're going to run like an RPO or a read or something where a mesh point is and try to push the ball down the field. That's our offense, period. All right, I got one question before we take our final timeout, then I'm going to come back and uh, basically force you to make a pick on the Lions and Eagles. <laughs> uh, when you played, the team would put out your measurables. Um, you knew what your measurables exactly were. You knew exactly how tall you were. You knew exactly how much you weighed. It didn't always match up. What the team publishes and what you actually are, sometimes not exactly the same thing. Right. And they will do so for a specific reason. They add weight or subtract weight from you? Um, They subtract weight from me. Okay, that's good. <laughs> uh, did they make you bigger or they make you shorter? Uh, they, they, You know, they pr- pretty much, you know. Pretty much on to it? Yeah, well, okay. you know what? I, I, I take that back because when I first got drafted, I was six foot four. By my second year in the league, I grew an inch and a half. So I was six five six and a five half. Six five and a half, damn. From from nice. from yeah, from from uh from my second year on, I was six five and a half. Well, you, so. get, you got some good cleats on. That'll give you an inch and a half. <laughs> um the reason I bring that up is Kyler Murray listed at five foot ten. You know what that means? He's actually five foot nine. Yep. <laughs> Tua listed at six foot one, which means he's actually six foot. Either way, he's bigger than Kyler Murray. So if you're not jumping on Tua Island with me because he's not quite big enough, you, you you had the right idea. Kyler Murray can get it done at his size. Why can't Tua get it done at his size? I'm telling you, Barrett, uh, open invite. We're not throwing you off the island. I'm not canceling the boat. I'm not saying push him out the shore. I'm giving you a chance but to Jody, get back on Tua Island with me. But, Jody, you know, it doesn't matter if we get put on Tua Island. If we don't run an offense – in which we can at least run the ball with these type of quarterbacks, it's all for naught. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you just you just can't – it doesn't matter who you have back Even if you have Deshaun back there, Watson back there, if you don't run the ball consistently, it's all for naught because you cannot ask a quarterback to throw that many times, uh, you know, especially a young quarterback, that many times a game. It's just ridiculous. I mean, we, we actually had a game in which we only handed the ball off to a running back three times. That should be against the yeah, law. I, Somebody I should be arrested he was for not, that. The head coach was not arrested for that, although he could have been. Should have right, been. So Bar- Barrett's not coming up the two hill with me, but he's going <laughs> to die on that hill that the Eagles need to run the football more. We got that. All right, we'll see what he thinks will happen on Sunday. Eagles, Lions, come back, get a pick from Barrett Brooks next year on Birds 365. <laughs> At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears.
comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messon Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. In Philadelphia, we celebrated the miracle with pride only five years ago. And then the following morning, IBEW Local 98 members went back to work, building this city, rescuing our communities from decay, and inspiring the young men and women of the region to take pride in who we are. Like the cats, Local 98 members believe in hope. John Doherty, business manager of Local 98, says it this way. The best way not to forget where you come from is to never leave. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resorts. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. For me, hour number two, hour one, Johnny Mac is a guest. He's a co-host, but he, we didn't put a picture up because he's sitting at the uh, Dunkin' Donuts parking lot on his way to the uh, Wells Fargo, uh, to the Noble Care to get COVID tested for this week's action, which is the Eagles flying off to Detroit to take on the Lions. Barrett, just go with me for a second here. If the Eagles win, they're three and five. They're sneaking up on 500. They're making a move toward 500. They're trying to get to 500. <laughs> if they lose, they're two and six. And I know we're still not even the halfway point because now we play 17. Got nine games to go. They're done. They're cooked. It's over. Pack it in, Johnny. Whatever phrase you want to use. I know it's just one game. And they're, it's one game difference between three and five and two and six. But this is a huge one game. Because they're favorite. They've played seven times this year. They've been a favorite. None of them. Underdog. Every single time this year, they're favorite against the Lions in Detroit this week. Tell me the Eagles are going to get a win. Well, if you look at it, um, Detroit, they're more disciplined. Uh, I must say right now, they're better coached. But they just don't have the horses and stable. To, to, to beat this Eagles team. I think the Eagles have a better team um, if you look at them as a whole than they do. So I'm going to say the Eagles do win, but it's not going to be by much more than, you know, uh, a field goal or something like that. Just because they have better athletes, they're going to win this game. But I like the direction this Detroit Lions team is going. I mean, they've shown, a, you know, they've shown that they're going to fight 
every single play. They're going to fight every single snap. So I love that about him. You know, the, the, the head coach got him going in the right direction. He just does not have enough guys on that team to be successful. They're trading out the farm because they're building up. They're building up. So they, they've given a lot away. Once they start getting their players, man, they they have they have they have shown that you know they they'll stay in some games and once they start getting some horses, man, they're they're gonna win a lot of races, bro. They're gonna yeah, be okay. Past, this past week, uh, they tried a fake uh, punt and they converted. Uh, there are two fake punts and converted and an onside kick and they recovered the ball. Yeah, and guess what? <laughs> they still got beat by double digits. Right. They, so <laughs> they, they may be playing hard, but they're they're playing bad. They they're have... not a good football team. Right. I don't care how much they like biting kneecaps with their head coach. <laughs> they're a bad team, and the Eagles are going to beat them on Sunday. Yeah, the Eagles are going to win. They're going to win, but it's not going to be by much, you know. And this is exactly what they need. They need something to take that cloud from over their heads, man. Because you know we we've. You know, we've, we sat down, looked at the game, man, and it's tough. It's real tough, you know, because, I mean, even I, I do Eagles pre- and post-game show for NBC Sports, man, Philadelphia, and I'm sitting there, and I'm in the office, and I have to watch the game. So it's me, Seth, Ray Diddy, and Michael Barkan. And, you know, you can you imagine? My glasses always have full, so I'm like, look, they could pull it out. They could pull it out. Seth, oh, man, these bums. They, 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 they. I'm like, ain't, ain't nothing I can say. What can I say? I mean, he's watching the same game I'm watching, and it's bad. It's bad football going on, but you know, it's just tough, man. It's it's a, it's a tough watch, man. I'd be wanting to turn over and watch something else, but I can't. I gotta watch the game. But it's it's very tough watching this team play. All right, uh, last week, Miles Sanders six carries for thirty yards before he went out with an injury. Boston's got seven carries. He actually had the most, only twenty four yards. Not great, Boston. And uh, Gainwell had five for 20, which is slightly better, but he put the ball on the ground. Quick math tells me 18 carries for the running backs. I'm going to go all the way to 21. The Eagles will hand the ball off 21 times on Sunday. Barry Brooks, is that enough for uh, Nick Sirianni's offense? It's not enough, but it's it's, it's going in the right direction. It's going in the right direction. 21? You think he's going to get to 22 or more handoffs? I was thinking 25. Okay. Against this Detroit team, I was thinking 25. You know, just to shut me up. You know, forget Barrett Brooks. I'm going to run the ball 25 times, see what happens. <laughs> Harry Mays and Aton Shander will try and shut him up this afternoon here on the middle. Not working. Not happening. Good luck to those guys. Harry, thanks for uh, filling the void for us today. Thanks for hopping in, bud. Appreciate uh, it. We'll have you back up here on Birds 360. Watch the middle, baby. We on in a minute. He'll be uh, coming up shortly with his cohorts on the middle here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. Uh, thanks to Joey Krause for jumping in for a segment. I mean, J Mac and I will be back. Uh, at the top of the hour tomorrow, 22 hours from now, a Thursday edition, Eagles win. Eagles, I'm not going to change my mind. I'm going to say it tomorrow here on Birds 365. I'm going to say it Friday here on Birds 365. Oh, Eagles are going to win on Sunday. I'm in, in it fact, too. We'll, we'll give you more reasons why. I'm I'm more convicted than because he, he used to play with the Eagles, so he's got to No, <laughs> I, I more firmly believe Eagles win this Sunday. Barrett's hedging, but uh, tune into the middle. I'll give you that much more on it. Thanks for watching Birds 365 with us today. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. At Parker, our purpose is simple. 
We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure.